Adrian from Exile today bringing you the latest in news and conversation from the extended reality space. Joining me today is Jake Steinman, the Head of Community at Spatial. Welcome and thank you for joining me today, mate. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is uh, Tony Bevelapo. I'm the founder and CEO of Cognitive3D, and uh, we do uh, 3D analytics for virtual, augmented, and mixed reality. Fantastic. Thank, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to join me today. Um, so maybe start off by introducing Cognitive3D, um, as well as the analytics that you are tracking, and why are you helping your clients track these analytics? Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've been at this for quite a while. I'm actually a second-time founder. I uh, ran a company prior to this in kind of the mobile category. Um, and, and through that experience, got really early exposure to what was going on the market with kind of DK2 back in the early days. And, you know, realized that there's a real opportunity, a greenfield opportunity to build metrics in a new wave to address the needs of what was going on in the XR space. And so founded the company in late 2015, um, first product into market 2016, uh, focused on kind of the spatial analytics category. So this is like kind of 3D representations of what's going on. Um, we didn't necessarily get there initially. You know, we, we thought uh, originally that we were going to kind of you know, introduce a mobile analytics style product, but realized we kind of needed to play, turn the playbook on its head and, and build something unique um, for, for the XR space. And really we operate in market with the thesis around giving developers visibility on what's going on inside the headset and also using the headset as a, as a vehicle for data collection. So helping developers get a better understanding on what's going on inside that headset and, and how to build better content for it. Fantastic. And then within that developer um, space, but then also within the consumer and enterprise space too, uh, what pain points can be solved with your analytics-based services? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, on the pain point side, we work in a lot of different categories. So it's a little bit dependent on, you know, the type of content that you're building. And so when we founded the company, we kind of went down this path of, you know, um, Games entertainment thought the rocket ship was taking off. Obviously, you know, if you, you're, you're obviously familiar with the space. 2016, uh, 2017, you know, it, consumer market wasn't there. Uh, but what we did find was really great fit in enterprise. And so enterprise for us encompasses a few primary categories. Um, the first one would be training and simulation. And, and today that's still our bread and butter, you know, so simulated content, you know, how can we measure human performance? How can we demonstrate, you know, the value proposition uh, that is associated with these training simulation apps? Um, we give the tools for developers in those use cases, the ability to understand uh, competency, the knowledge retention, um, those types of outcomes, you know, leveraging these these 3D analytics capabilities. Um, we also work in the consumer research space. And so for us, there's quite a few different categories of consumer research, but I'll, I'll give you kind of the high level ones. Uh, AEC, so architecture, engineering, construction. A lot of folks in that category will use us for wayfinding and signage. So being able to understand, you know, if I put somebody into a virtual space, if I put somebody into a digital twin, what's going to keep and draw their attention uh, within that particular space? If I put signage up, if I build a space in a certain way, what path are users likely to follow uh, as they engage with within that world? Uh, another good example would be product development, right? So we think about the automotive category as a good example of that. You know, we've got the companies like 
you know, for GM, um, you know, and others kind of innovating on their product design process, um, you know, and using VR technology to kind of accelerate new design categories and, and, and also insights, you know, and being able to understand how their buyers might interact within those particular environments, what draws their attention, what doesn't, and associating that behavior with kind of the qualitative information we know about that person. The final category, and you can find, you know, kind of use cases on our website on this one, would really be the retail CPG category. And so in that category, we're thinking about planograms, store design, uh, you know, product uh, packaging uh, interaction, uh, those types of insights as well. Um, so you can, you know, that, that's kind of the, the consumer research category. We also support over 30 academic institutions today on their academic research, so data collection in that particular category. And uh, finally, games and entertainment. So. Um, kind of a broad spectrum of use cases, but, uh, you know, a few kind of, I guess it's kind of like four main pillars. Within those first three pillars um, within enterprise consumer behavior, as well as academia, education, do, do these analytics also help build um, understanding and build the behavior around using XR headsets within those spaces as well, um, you know, with helping drive adoption rates in the enterprise, uh, examples like that? Yeah, for sure. You know, there's there's two different sides to the insight that we provide support for. So, you know, in the earliest phases of building a new project, we can provide really great insight into UX and UI in terms of how people are interacting with the with the experience, what's drawing their attention, keeping their attention, how are they comprehending the content that you're putting in front of them. Then it kind of shifts into value proposition, right? So then you move from are we delivering a good experience into is this creating good value for the organization? And so when we move into that category it really depends on the use case you're after so on the training and simulation side we talk about completion we talk about competency we talk about retention of knowledge uh you know maybe precision and work um you know so those are kind of the two different value propositions that you would have and you can work on on both sides of it uh, one of our key tools is called Scenic Explorer, and this is literally an after-action review. It's a one-to-one -one replay of exactly what the user did inside the headset, and you can collect that on a completely distributed basis. So a lot of our customers will actually use this to debug specific sessions, especially when you start collecting like maybe a lot of sessions from testers or QA, you know, or something along those lines. You can actually pull up the ones that maybe are the outliers. Uh, and, and see what went wrong. You know, what can I learn from this particular, uh, you know, experience and, and how I might be able to improve it. Brilliant. And touching on that point of education and also the points of value that you bring up too, I'm interested in learning about how your clients can gain from their investments in XR analytics. You know, not just with the analytic services that you provide, but then I also imagine, as you say, it helps with other integrated technologies, say digital twins, for example. How did the analytics themselves bring a good investment, a return on investment, but can it also boost the return on investment on other XR related technologies? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the name of the game, right? So we don't build any content to Cognitive 3D. The experiences are really up to our customer uh, or whoever they're working with to build this stuff, right? Um, you know, Cognitive 3D, we kind of, we, we provide, you know, effectively the measurement technology. And so the value proposition that the customer is looking for is typically something that our tools can measure for, uh, but it is, you know, the value really dependent on the, on the type of experience they're building. So when you think about like, you know, if we shift all the way back to consumer research and automotive for a second, you know, in a, in a use case like that, you know, you've got a really kind of legacy process that involves, involves physical prototypes, potentially clay models, um, you know, kind of an expensive and slow, uh, process to kind of get some new feedback. 
Um, you know, obviously there's value proposition by using the technology, right? So being able to rapidly iterate on 3D models and get people into the headset. The next step beyond that is like, how do we get more precise measures, right? And we start thinking about maybe, maybe we can use eye tracking to be able to understand like, what are the key elements inside the cockpit that actually, um, you know, draw the user's attention. Um, if I give a, 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 an end user task inside of the vehicle, you know, find the volume controls or something on that, show me, show me if you can find the hazard signals you know how does that kpi differ between the last model of the vehicle and the new one so there's a lot of different types of value propositions that you can get uh, by using you know kind of quantitative uh you know xr analytics to to collect this data brilliant and i like how you bring up eye tracking data i think that's something that's very much emerging at the moment same with hand tracking data too and that whole technology space it's really shaping the future of um, virtual reality but then equally, with those eye tracking, hand tracking and other related biometrics, how is this f shaping the future of uh, customer experience avenues? As well as enterprise training, I, ma I imagine it has an influence on the future applications and deployment of those future applications. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, <laughs> eye tracking uh, is, is kind of an interesting you know, use case. We've been doing this for a really long time. We've been doing eye tracking since probably 2016, 2017. Started with the FOV. This was a three DOF headset, which had really basic kind of uh, input capabilities, and we've grown up from there. Um, you know, eye tracking capabilities, uh, really sophisticated, uh, could be diagnostic in nature, you know, in terms of the precision that could be available out of some of the different eye tracking technologies. Um, but in terms of adoption in enterprise, not as much as you might think. You know, on the training and simulation side, I think that there's really good use cases around um, high risk and, you know, uh, you know, situational uh, type of training modules. I'll give you just two examples. So, you know, in um, uh, aircraft training, you know, in the cockpit or something like that, emergency situations, you might want to leverage eye tracking to be able to understand what was the process that the, uh, the pilot took before they took action. Did they look at the safety checklist? Did they look at different sensors, different readouts before they started taking action? Um, you might also be able to use that eye tracking data to determine things like cognitive load. Um, secondary, uh, you know, use case to that would be law enforcement, right? Being able to understand, you know, did a, did a police officer or law enforcement officer um, understand and comprehend situationally everything that was going on um, within that particular environment before they took action, maybe drew their weapon or whatever it might be. And so these are kind of um, high risk scenarios where there's a lot on the line. And using eye tracking gives you precision, right? And when we think about UX and UI and, and, and XR, I think that, you know, we do gaze-based tracking as well. So that's without an eye tracker. And that really just kind of gives you the general direction of where a user's looking within space. Eye tracking is all about precision, right? So then the question is like, when do we need to have that conversation where we're going to get into the, the privacy elements of collecting eye tracking data at what point does that become important? And so I think in those high-risk uh, training situations, those are good examples of that. But the majority of our training customers are really happy with the tools that we provide, even without eye tracking. So I think that that's kind of my view so far. On the consumer research side, we see more aggressive use of eye tracking because they're interested in the precision. They're interested in, you know, how people are reading labels. They're interested in, you know, text and other types of, like, fine elements within the scene. That's where the value is. But the important thing to mention about consumer research is that you're dealing with typically uh, a closed set of testers. You know, these are folks that have opted in. You know, they're, you're going through a path of collecting data from the environment, and uh, we can collect really intricate insights from them. 
uh, but most importantly, consent is involved as well. Academic research, iTrack is almost always on, right? And these folks, you know, obviously have academic rigor in terms of how they collect data, which is obviously really, uh, really helpful uh, from our perspective. Um, games entertainment, haven't really seen much at all. Um, our position just as a company, um, we don't collect eye tracking from the public, uh, especially without consent. Um, I have seen some game companies interested in like early UX and UI with their with their QA team, you know, to kind of be able to understand like what maybe drawing and keeping attention on a more precise basis. Um, but not a not a ton um, of, of that going on today. Fantastic. All of this has been very insightful and there's a lot really to unpack here. I think it's a very good it's been a very good learning process for myself really as well as I imagine the readers. Um, but just to turn the, the idea of the future of this technology back onto yourself a little bit more rather than your end users. Um, what do you see the future of this uh, XR based um, analytics service and do you see new data points perhaps emerging in the coming years? I imagine perhaps this time 20 years ago we wouldn't imagine our hand and eye tracking technology being tracked in this way, um, you know, it's a, such a changing space. And do you think there'll be new data points in the future? And what does this future, what does the future look like for cognitive 3D as well? Yeah, for sure. We've been spending a lot of time, well, I, just a quick history lesson. So, you know, over the last several years for us, at least, we've been really focused on building core technology. So building all the visualization tools, building the data pipeline, making it work, right? Like we're really building a new category, inventing a new data collection um, paradigm. And so that's been tough work. Um, we've really scaled up the team over the last year or so. And now we're starting to think a little bit more about what are the predictive elements of what's going on within these applications? What are the insights that I can surface to developers to help them understand where they stand from a, from a, uh, from a content perspective and where they could potentially improve. And so one of the theses that we've been working on is really this idea that um, we've been seeing that overall content quality is something that um, drives retention, session time, uh, and a wide variety of other, uh, you know, kind of inputs that developers are interested in. And so we started to break down what does quality mean in, in XR? And so we started off by building three metrics. The first one's called uh, cognitive comfort, uh, second one's called cognitive immersion, and the third one's cognitive performance. And so for each of the three, um, we look into kind of all these different inputs that are going on in the headset to build effectively a barometer, right? So this is a zero to 100 score, 50 being, you know, average, right, uh, within the experience. And we give you a ranking within your application of where you stand on each of those three measures. Then within the dashboard, you can dig into each of those measures to be able to see, you know, a cognitive performance, for example, do I have bad, you know, battery dispersion? Is my FPS not so good? Where am I seeing failing frames within the scene? Where can I potentially optimize? So the idea here is to provide a developer kind of that barometer of where they stand, but also the tools to kind of uncover the ultimate insight uh, on, uh, on how they can improve their application. Fantastic. And as I say, loads of great stuff to unpack there. Um, thank you so much for your time. But just for those watching, I wanted to ask what's the best way for them to learn more and to learn more about all these use cases that you're bringing up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can check us out on cognitive3d.com. Um, this is a freemium product, so you are able to get up to 100,000 sessions with our baseline dashboard. Um, so if you're interested in checking out on our application, cognitive3d.com, uh, easy to get started. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for that. Um, that's been it for myself. If you want to get more XR news, you can subscribe to the XR Today news channel, follow our social pages and join us on our website as well. I'm Rory Green from XR Today. Thank you very much for watching.